You're listening to an Englishman in the Balkans. Welcome to an Englishman in the Balkans podcast with me, David Pecinovic Bailey. In this podcast, you'll get a unique look at life in Bosnia and Herzegovina through my eyes, the eyes of an immigrant. Each episode, I share my experiences living in this often misunderstood country and introduce you to some of the interesting people I've met along the way. From exploring the rich culture and history to discussing the challenges and joys of immigrating to a new country, this podcast offers a thoughtful and engaging look at life in the Western Balkans. This is the Balkan Adventures podcast, everyday life and experiences in the Western Balkans. This podcast relies entirely on supporters who help to keep a sponsor and advert free through our community at patreon.com. You can pledge as little as $1 a month with early access to content and free giveaways. You will find a banner to our Patreon community on our website at balkanadventures.co. Thanks for helping us develop the podcast. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Balkan Adventures podcast with me, David Bailey, a podcast about the more positive sides of Bosnia and Herzegovina and the wider Western Balkan region. On this episode, well, it's a three-way collab. Why three ways? Last week, my very good friend Christoph Baumgarten, who produces the Balkan Stories blog, sent me an interview that he's done recently in Vienna with a Londoner who lives in Sarajevo, which is about, I suppose, a five-hour drive away from me. Christoph caught up with Nick Semwell Gerera. I think I've said that right, but otherwise known across the music world as Smooth Deep. Nick has well and truly fallen in love with Bosnia-Herzegovina and the region generally. In this chat with Christoph, we're going to find out why he likes the Balkan so much, some of the cultural challenges he's found, what it's like being a black person in Bosnia-Herzegovina, and how not to ask a Balkan girl out for a date. So all that and a little bit more in the next 45 or so minutes here on this week's episode of the podcast. This is the Balkan Adventures podcast. Now, Nick, um, how long have you been living on the Balkans for? Like on and off since 2010. So going on like eight years now. So, what was the thing that most drew you, or that fascinated you? Because basically, you've, you've been, been living there on and off, but but always for for longer stretches of time. The first thing that I initially I was around university time, my final year of university, my first time I went over, and it was the thing that initially like drew me in was the way that despite all the you know negativity of like the, the conflicts that happened recently in the 90s and people were getting on with their lives and not just getting on with their lives but finding ways to enjoy their lives and that was kind of uh, inspirational for me particularly coming from London at the time it was around the time when everyone was talking about the global crisis economic crisis and I'm like well economic crisis I'm coming to a place that has been like it's irrelevant this crisis but people are still there was a certain spirit of the Balkans that just drew me in you've been living there you've also been been working there when whenever you were legally allowed so so what have you been doing to to you know stay afloat financially to to to, to be able to 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 make ends meet uh, on the Balkans how how does it work for you? 
like in, in, in the last like two years I've been teaching and so but previously before that I was when I first actually arrived in Bonsley I was doing um, video production with this guy from Beehatch like we, we had met in uh, Zagreb the year before and then he came up with this idea to um, him and a couple other guys from Beehatch to start this video production company in Sarajevo so I went over the production company didn't even get off the ground but we just decided to independently go around doing videos for people so that's basically what I did for a while. One thing you, you told me and, and, and you regularly have to do is you have to leave all of these countries after a certain period of time. How does that make you feel? I mean you're on a move constantly obviously. Yeah, yeah. like uh, initially it was just exciting because it's like you're seeing something new all the time and I still I still enjoy it I can't say that I don't enjoy it but because I've been doing it for so long there are moments where it is a little bit annoying because you're always like can throw you off a little bit in terms of like you want to organize something like for example uh, most recently I wanted to do a music video with somebody and you know how sometimes things are in the balcons things take time to organize people are a little bit laid back so By the time we got everything together to do this music video shoot, I checked the date and I was like, oh, damn, I gotta, I gotta leave now. So it, it can be a little bit annoying, but initially I, I had no issues with it. Mm, how often do you change places in, in, in a year? Uh, so between mm, four, like two, two, two or, f yeah, between like, two to four depends like for example because essentially um, legally I guess I should be like three months in each place but um, for years in, in Bosnia the, the border has been pretty loose so I've always I've always managed to kind of extend it that three month period to six months so if but now it's getting a little bit you know so where, where I was doing it for the six months I would basically be in Sarajevo for like six months and then maybe back to London or Poland or somewhere else so, but now because I'm dividing up to the three months it's about like four three or four different places and and this is a visa issue primarily yeah it's, it's primarily a visa issue yeah, absolutely yeah. and the three months mean that you get tourist visa you're allowed to stay there for three months and then you have to leave again yeah, yeah. but like there's always been like uh, this kind of loophole in um in, in Bosnia and I guess the, the former Yugoslavian states in general where they know that it takes a long time to get your paperwork done so if you have started a job they, they, they recognize it takes a long time to get your paperwork done so if you still haven't got it done within the three months they usually just let you leave for a day even and then just come back so like I guess technically at the border they should be asking you why are you coming back but they never do so in, because of that, that's how people usually extend their stay. Isn't it irritating in, in, in the sense that, uh, you know, we, we have uh, about 1% of the population leaving Bosnia and, and Serbia each year, and they just do not allow any people to, to immigrate into those countries? Yeah, that's the thing that is the most illogical part about it, because with the amount of people leaving, it would seem logical that you would, you would be more willing to accept people coming in especially people coming like 
coming in and bringing something with like, some skill. I'm coming. I'm teaching. Even even younger people who are there's a lot of younger people coming and they're working online, but they're still they're spending their money in the country, so there's still a benefit. So I know it's quite an illogical way that, that they've they've made it so difficult for people to immigrate into the country. Do you have any idea or or suspicion of why that may be the case? Um, I've I've not not really not really. It's kind of one of these things that that boggles my brain. Like when you ask when you ask people, they just oh it's just, it's just buzzing. That's just the way it is. People, <laughs> but I really have no idea why it's like that. Where would you say have you spent most of of those eight years on on on, on the Balkans? Predominantly Bosnia, specifically Sarajevo, but obviously other parts of Bosnia as well. And a little bit Serbia as well, but predominantly Bosnia. This is a difficult question to ask because the answer will inevitably offend somebody. What's your favorite place? Well, I have to I have to say Sarajevo. Well, I, I have to say in the sense of it's the like there's there's places that I probably maybe enjoy more in terms of uh, if I want to go out and have a good time and things like that. But like Sarajevo feels like home to me. So that's definitely my favorite. Obviously, something that you know people kind of hear, but you do have African parents, and it shows. Is that an issue ever? Uh, I wouldn't say that it's a it's an issue. It's always oh, never been an issue at all. But there are some since 2010 to now, there are some interesting changes in in terms of perception. For example, when I first arrived, I would definitely say there was. I would I, I would argue that there was a uh, close to a zero percent issue when it comes to racism. Like I always used to make a joke that people are too busy, like fighting with the ethnical groups within Bosnia and the Balkans to to really bother about anyone else. But the interesting thing, for lack of a better word, since a lot of the, like the Arab investment, there I've noticed a little bit of like tension building towards. I guess initially like Arab investors and things like that and then it's kind of a slippery slope because then it's, it's just become about oh foreigners coming or anybody who's a little bit different or dark skin or whatever but generally speaking like if if I have been in a situation where somebody's said something that it could be deemed racist or is racist for example I've never nine times out of ten I don't take the same offense to it that I would take in the UK for example because Nine times out of ten, I would say it's coming from a place of like cultural ignorance, opposed to "quote unquote" hate. One thing you haven't mentioned is that you're also a musician. Has your stay on on, on the Balkans, has your life there in, inspired any songs? Actually, the song "Sarevo Grademoi" after the Halid Besic song, which was um, actually produced, the instrumental actually produced from my fr- by my friend in Macedonia. So I sent him. The original song. I told him I wanted to do a hip hop version of it, and like a week later, he sent me the instrumental, and like the rest is history. Like, I mean, that's the, my, my most viewed uh, music video today. This is the Balkan Adventures podcast. I need a Balkan beauty. Yeah, I need a Balkan beauty. I need a Balkan beauty. Yeah, I need a Balkan beauty. Yeah, I need a Balkan beauty. Yeah, I need a And that Falcon beauty, excuse me, I don't mean 
about to go down I desire, always look fly In their attire That is something you need to admire About to go, can take you higher Believe what I say, I'm no liar The music to my ears when they're talking Always looking so fly when they're walking Love to play poker, but guess what? I'm all in, my push comes to shove Bro, you'll be falling Need to get about and go, no stalling When you hear booyah, who deeps calling? Rah. I need about Do, do, do a lot of other videos on, on, on YouTube that are not just music related but, but about your life in the Balkans. I mean, why, why do you do that? I initially did it. The first video, I remember the first video I ever done was basically one to kind of give a different perspective of the Balkans to people from outside the region. Because I remember when I first came, being a little bit, um, I won't say scared, but a little bit, uh, you know, just conscious of, of, of things that people have told me based on on, on, the, on a narrative that were presented in the UK of you know there was a war there there's all these criminals there and then when I arrived in the Balkans and I was like greeted with a lot of hospitality and I thought okay I need I should do some videos showing the other side that people don't really talk about especially especially um To be honest with you, people of color, like a lot of my, my black friends, my Asian friends in the UK say to me, like when I first went to the Balkans, like, isn't it racist over there? And I was saying to them, actually, I faced more racial discrimination in, in, in the UK than I ever have in the Balkans. I think the only, um, the biggest difference, if I had to compare it, is that uh, in the UK, you get that everyday, what we call everyday racism, this kind of slight-handed racism, whereas in the Balkans, it would be a very rare occasion for somebody to come and say something racially abusive, but then in those minute cases, it would be like quite in your face. And I think that's the difference to uh, if I had to compare them. But essentially, I started doing the videos to just give my perspective of the Balkans, which I feel... Uh, open up more of a, a dialogue about the region and also encourage people to come and check out the region for themselves. Where can I find those videos? On uh, YouTube. Just search uh, Smooth Deep and my YouTube channel will come up. There was a video, also a music video, that we've been talking about like a while back uh, of a song that you wanted to produce at least. Balkan Beauty. Yeah, Balkan Beauty. Like, actually, I wrote the song a month after I released... Uh, Okay, maybe no, not a month, but three or four months. About three or four months after I released Sarajevo Grademoy. So the song's pretty old now. It's going on a couple of years. But it was inspired by uh, a conversation I had with my flatmate in Sarajevo. The first time I was there, I, was, I remember we were walking through the main street 
and I was just looking at all these women like there's so many beautiful women on the streets and he was like, he grabbed me and he's like Nick stop bumping into people what are you doing and, and then he looked at me and he noticed that I was like watching the women walking past he's like stop looking at these women just walk straight so I, I was explaining to him that it was kind of a cultural shock to me because I, I said to him basically I haven't walked down a main street before and seen that amount of attractive women on the street and he said that how can this be possible? You're from London. There's more people in London. I'm like, okay, if we're talking about numbers, mathematically speaking, of course, then you could, there's going to be more attractive women by numbers in London. But if we're talking about percentage, I would strongly argue that the percentage of attractive women is a lot higher in, in the Balkans. So that's where the idea of the song came. And then it was a year later, after I released Sarajevo Gradimai, when I actually put pen to paper and wrote the song. After initially recording the song I felt like it was too uh, good of a song to just kind of just throw out on YouTube and iTunes or whatever so I thought I actually want to do it like in a real proper official release a bit of promotion and whatnot so I initially started a crowdfund to produce the music video because the idea was to shoot in every capital city in the Balkans and then a few other like uh tourist places like uh, on the Croatian coast and whatnot. So I thought, okay, I'm going to need a bit of money behind me to do this. So I did the crowdfund and I think um, the initial, I think probably the initial mistake I made with the crowdfund was not targeting it more to the Despada community. Because obviously people don't earn a lot of money in, in, in the Balkans. So the idea of oh, giving somebody money to produce a record and a music video is a bit alien and also the, f the idea of crowdfunding itself is pretty alien in the Balkans a lot of people described it as not just my campaign a couple of other crowdfund campaigns I saw within the Balkans at the time were being described as begging for money <laughs> so I was like okay this crowdfund didn't work and I understand why it didn't work but I thought okay I still don't want to just throw the song out there and this uh, producer DJ from in London who is, has a lot of uh, connections in the Croatian house scene. He, he came across me on YouTube. So we started speaking. He didn't, actually, he didn't actually know I made music at the time. He wanted me to basically um, be like a promoter for his events and stuff like that because of my personality and whatnot. And I said to him, you know, I actually make music as well. And he said, really? So then I played him the Balkan Beauty song. He's like, okay, we're going to do this. So we ended up... Um, making a connection with a, a record label in Dubrovnik. And it seemed like, okay, we were going to get a bit of money up front to do the music video. I thought, okay, this was great. And then I remember at the beginning of the talks, the, the owner of the label was like, I really like this song, but it could be a problem for my people. And I was confused. Like, what do you mean it's a problem for your people? I'm t this is a, a song celebrating the Balkans and the beauty of the Balkans and beautiful women from the Balkans. Why would it be a problem for your people? So then he reiterated, okay, let me say it again. It will be a problem. When I say it will be a problem for my people, I mean it might be a problem for Croatians. So now I'm thinking, okay, why is it a problem for Croatians? And he said, well, the thing is in the song, you mentioned Serbs. I said, yeah, of course I mentioned Serbs. It's about Balkan beauty. So I mentioned every country within the Balkans. He's like, yeah, no, no, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, my people might take it as a bit of an issue. You know, we, we hashed it out in the end, but then 
I had I faced similar problems with some other people I tried to get involved in the project. Um, I had another guy in the UK who's uh, Bosnian-born, but he, he grew up in the UK, and he's a pretty good graphic designer, so I wanted him to design the front cover. I played a song to him, kind of similar response. He was like, yeah, no, I really like the song, but I, I don't feel I could get involved in it. And again, that was the same situation. Like, What's the problem? He's like, oh, I just don't, I think that like, my family wouldn't be happy with me getting involved with the song that's related to Serbs. It's the same, and I was like, okay, I don't. So then that was one of the things that kind of dragged it down. People, you know, feeling certain ways about their their views, their their national national identity and whatnot. In the end, we hashed out a, a, a loose agreement with this label in Dubrovnik, but then it dragged out as things happened, tend to happen in the Balkans, things were, it was moving really slowly. And then when the video ideas were being thrown at me, I wasn't particularly happy with the idea. It was like, more or less, there was a lot of compromises that I made simply because I knew I was going to get the funding for it. So, okay, maybe it's worth the compromise. So the first compromise was changing. We made a whole remix of the song. So it was no longer a hip-hop song. It was a house song. Same lyrics, same everything, but with a house instrumental. I said, okay, fine, let's go along with that. And then the video concept idea came, and it was basically get a boat on the Croatian coast, bunch of women in bikinis jumping up and down on the boat. And I was like, no, that's not really the idea that I was going for. And I ended up deciding to just go separate ways, and that's it. So now I'm I'm still attempting to to push it out independently. Do you have any any ideas how you could get the funding? Like one of the ideas I did have. It's about it's about making the connection though. Was maybe to link up with a uh, a, a company like another tip. I guess kind of a typical way that I've seen um, artists do it in in particularly in hip hop in in, um, in Serbia, where I've seen them being sponsored by I don't know a beer company or whatever, and the beer company will pay for the video as long as you promote the product in the video. So if there was a product that I liked and I agreed with, I would I would be open doing it that way for sure since you've also mentioned the music scene uh, obviously and then you do have close ties to to at least a hip-hop scene and in, in ex-yugoslavia what's the most interesting thing about that scene like like from from a british perspective the like most interesting thing about the scene for example like if you take obvious examples like edo maika in, in bosnia or you somebody like uh, Struka in, in Serbia is that they, for me, really um, personify what hip-hop is because, you know, as a, as a, as a rapper in hip-hop, it's traditionally about telling your story. So no matter where you are, you tell your story, you tell your perspective of the world. And I think like artists like Edomaika and Stuka really, really do that because I, I, I will listen to Edomaika, for example, and it's, it, it's so Bosnian. Like the, the, you can hear the Bosnian influences, the way that he enunciates himself, it's in the music, but he still really knows how, how to rap. And the thing that was really interesting is the scene in comparison to, like, of course, places like London, Toronto, and what, it's, it's a small scene. But the people within the scene are so passionate about it. 
it's it's like maybe even doubly passionate about it than you, f- you might find in some bigger scenes. That is a scene that doesn't know any national borders, by and large. Exactly, exactly. It's like um, you, you, you'll have artists collaborating with each other across national lines, and and that's what hip-hop is about. So, like, as small as the scene is in, in, in the Balkans, it it's really, they've really personified, I think, that what hip-hop is, is about. Actually, when I first went to Belgrade in 2009, it gave me a kind of feeling like how hip hop was in the 90s like when it was really becoming popular popularized like it kind of had that feeling but that with that with a little serbian flavor and and why do you think that is i think well obviously because, well one of the obvious reasons is that um you know, people always joke, oh, yeah, everything in, in the Balkans is like 10 years behind. But in, in, in a technical sense, like, the scene kicked off later. So the steps that were taken when hip-hop got popularized in, in, in Western Europe and the Western world in general, those kind of same steps were happening in, in the Balkans, but just at a later stage. Osjećam se dobro, ko da sam smoto Zadovoljno, sretno, stiglo je ljeto Užareni beton, lagano se šetam Danas je nedelja i ništa mi ne smeta Moje čale, zovu se Rejban Zbog njih me ne vide, kako ih gledam Brate, ne bi joj naplatio ni Marku Pogledaj kako liže sladoled u parku I onu starku, ne bi šetala sama Kad bi samo znala, kakva sam budala Gospodju dozvoli, ja ću te odvest u vrijeme Kad si imala osamnest Ćao šta ima, šta se radi Excuse my French ali moj mali, stalno te mjerka, neprestalno šmeka Šta da mu kažem, djeda te čeka Ona nije spremna, tako mi rekla Zar ona ne zna da je ova rijeka Nešto kao ribnjak, u kojem plivam od jedne do druge Pa treću skidam, ne budi stidna, jer nisam nija I meni je prvi put, uzmi malo vina Evo je seksi back pjesma od Dustina Pojačat ću da bude malo glasnija So I'm smiling, no stress on my brain Success happens to timing So yeah we got it's a frame of mind that I'm in As long as I'm feeling it, I keep rhyming Sexy girls on every corner Each one is like ooh, one of your bomb steaming hot Yeah, just like a sauna Back in summer's a hot I need to warn you but I can chill in the sun all day long Watching Balkan beauties with my shades on Rah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying bruv Balkan summers Something you gotta love You'll be back Time and time again In winter we just wait for the sun to shine again I'm feeling good just like I should Shining like a star But not from Hollywood Nah I'm just being me Summertime in Bosnia Got me feeling free So next summer why don't you come here and see Beautiful weather, beautiful women Are you feeling me? Maybe you gotta come 
feel the vibe Maybe words can't explain what I feel inside Then someone told you someone ain't good over here, they lied I smile every time the sun starts to rise be a lot of critics that that would say that you know hip-hop is you know not the cool thing anymore in in, in, in uh, western music at least you know because like all the stories have been told and and, and a lot of, of the musicians just get too wealthy to to tell you more good stories and then now you're telling me hey come on listen to the balkans they you know tell great stories and they personify the the, the original idea do, do you think that would have anything to do with, with the, the economic and social circumstances that those people live under? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, um, you, you look at a lot of the artists that were, were coming out, like the, that set the foundation of the scene. You I mean, coming off the back of the, of the conflict, the war, it was definitely fueled by their, their environment. Absolutely. And um, you kind of see like when you look at the 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 older artists the artists who've been around like um Struka in Serbia you see that they really like they they can be comparable in my eyes to guys like for example in in the UK like uh, I would say somebody like Black Twang who were innovators of of the UK scene like I would say you can see that these guys are innovators of of their scene but yeah like you said they're products of their environment And that's essentially why they do personify this, um, what hip hop is is about. But saying that, I, you see some of the younger guys coming out now, and I guess you, you can call it globalization, whatever you want to call it. You know, the, the internet has opened opened up the world to everyone. Uh, you, you, there is that um, the influence of the type of hip hop that you you're, that you were um, implying where it's no longer cool because hip-hop essentially is pop culture at this point it's so popular so you do have younger artists now just trying to emulate what they see in the states in in the commercial market and i think that is kind of a a, a shame because what ma what made the the scene special when i arrived was this authentic flavor that they they put to it coming back to to, to 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 like a you know general setting again what is the thing that you most appreciate about the balkans uh what do you think i most appreciate about the balkans i think um it's interesting actually because people tell me that uh, the hospitality and stuff isn't like it used to be like now i can i can imagine that it that it isn't i can imagine uh, particularly if you talking about the um, former Yugoslavian region, I can imagine there are reasons why hospitality isn't, and people are not as warm as they used to be. But f coming from London, like, to me, it's like people are very warm, generally, in, in comparison to com coming from London. So maybe that's my advantage as, as a foreigner, 
maybe I, I suppose it could that could be a possibility but like when I first came there were people who you know didn't didn't know me from from anywhere but they were like willing to help you in, in a difficult situation there's still that kind of neighborly love I still think even though that it might be to a lesser extent than what it used to be I still feel like it definitely exists this uh, community's kind of spirit and I think it, and which actually uh, reminds me of African culture as well so there are that's actually one of the big things there are many similarities in the Balkan that to African culture so in even though like for obvious reasons I stand out like a sore thumb in other reasons I just fit in perfectly in in, in what sense like for for example like um, like so, some of the things uh, some are negative some are positive but for example um, the way people express themselves is in the Balkans is I would say identical to how people express themselves in, in, um, in African culture Caribbean culture where people are very loud and for example growing up in Britain when we were come across people outside of African Caribbean culture and they would see me and my friends whatever talking or sometimes see my parents and my family whatever talking people would ask me like why why, why are you guys always arguing and, and shouting no 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 they're not arguing and shouting that's just the way they, they talk and then coming to the Balkans this is a kind of similar thing people are very loud very expressive so I was like okay this isn't just an African thing this is over here in the Balkans as well and then there's some funny things like um what we would call um, African timing or black people timing in the UK of people being late all the time. But it's the same thing in the Balkans. Somebody tell hey, let's meet up at 5.30. They're probably going to arrive at 6. Like, and then if, if they're 6 and they're still not there, you ring them up, like, where, where are you? Yeah, I'm going to be there in five minutes. That's probably like another 15 minutes. And that's exactly the same kind of thing you'll find in like African, African and Caribbean cultures. Is there a thing that you still have a hard time figuring it out or, or getting along with? Uh, is there anything that... Uh, well, I feel like sometimes the, the dating scene in the Balkans, particularly in smaller towns, can be like so complicated. Like there's all these... I mean, all right, you get game playing everywhere, but there's all these little hoops you gotta you gotta jump through like one of the um, examples that's like clear in my mind is when i was renting an apartment in vogesha in what was this 2012 i believe and there was this girl that i always used to see on the bus like we would get on the bus around the same time and we'd get like we'd kind of do the body language flirting thing that flirting with the eyes and whatever but we never spoke and this went on for like maybe four or five weeks so I said to myself okay this is like we're not in school the next time I see her I'm gonna go and speak to her so I get on the bus one day there she is she's on the bus same thing doing same kind of interactions we get off the bus we're walking in the same direction so I introduce myself and speaking to her Everything seemed to have, be having a lovely conversation. So then I, I go, what seemed to me to be the obvious conclusion to the conversation was maybe to exchange numbers and, and go for a drink sometime. So like I say, hey, let's exchange numbers. And then suddenly it was, no. Like she's just, no. And then she's gone flying down the road. 
and I was just I remember just standing on the street baffled like what just happened here and I, I told a couple of my friends about it and they were like oh you know you can't just speak to people on the street like that and I, I, I was like why not like I, she's attractive we seem to have a connection why can't no you just you can't do that and coming I, I do understand it in the sense of smaller towns everybody knows everybody people are kind of worried about what other people think all this kind of thing but at the same time coming from London where that's just a normality like you see somebody oh in fact even the fact between me and this girl is that we were seeing each other even though we weren't speaking we were seeing each other like, so to me that made it seem even more of a normal thing to do but it, for example in London you might just be on a train um you see somebody and you think okay boom I'm going to go and speak to them but I guess from the London state of mind it's because there's so many people you might never see this person again so you kind of take your opportunity so from that perspective I do understand why that kind of social interaction is, is very different did he ever see her again? yeah it was pretty awkward <laughs> it was pretty awkward like I remember us, the, the very it was like a couple of days later I saw her again and I don't think she she like because I was like standing at a certain angle I don't think she recognized me at first I turned around so she was smiling and then then she kind of like recognized me and just was it just was awkward it was like, okay yeah from that from then it was just kind of awkward what are your next plans so I'll be in London for a couple of weeks probably to the end of the month and then Skopje for a month because actually left some stuff at my friend's house in Skopje so I swore kill two birds with one stone and then um, in Montenegro for three months and then back to Sydney. So there you have it. That's Nick, otherwise known as Smooth Deep, a London musician now based most of the year here in Sarajevo, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Please do subscribe, share and like. Tell your friends. Leave us a review wherever you listen to this, whether it's on Acast, Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes or wherever. So until the next episode of this podcast, please stay safe. To find out more about us and where we live, why not check out our blog at an Englishman in the Balkans.com. See you next time. So that's it for this episode. Our podcast is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you like this podcast, then please do leave us a review or send us an email. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you would like to support us and the production of future episodes, then please consider maybe giving us a tip or becoming a member of our podcast family. The link to do that is in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks again for listening. We really do appreciate it. To find out more about us and where we live, why not check out our blog at anenglishmaninthebalkans.com.